0: Well, what's wrong in all that? Well, we hardly ever use our great powers. We, we consent simply to, to observe and gather knowledge.
1: And that wasn't enough for you?
0: No, of course not with that. With a whole galaxy to explore, millions of planets, eons of time, countless civilizations to meet. Well, why do they object to you doing all that? Well, it, it is a fact, Jamie, that I, I do tend to get involved with things. Oh, you can say that again.
1: Whenever there's any trouble, he's in it right up to his neck. Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today, we are going to be watching The War Games. Ooh. The War Games was written by Terence Dix and Malcolm Hulk, was directed by David Maloney, and produced by Derek Sherwin. It aired... April 19th, 1969 to June 21st, 1969. Important thing to note about the writer, uh, Malcolm Hulk, uh, he co-wrote The Faceless Ones. He will also go on to write the episode that I remember being my favorite classic Who episode. So I, I have uncharacteristic... I mean, characteristic for me, I guess. It's just that my hopes have kind of been dashed by the space pirates. I'm strangely optimistic for this one.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, as you said, the producer from the last several episodes is out, so fingers crossed. Fingers crossed.
1: This is the dreaded tenor. Tenor, yeah. But I, I, Caleb, I'm not just bullshitting you. I promise, I'm not. I'm not stringing you along. (laughs) I genuinely think you're going to like this one. I I really do. (laughs) (laughs) Space pirates fried my brain. I'm trying to think of anything else to say. Nope. There's just the blank space that space pirates left
0: behind. (laughs) It really did carve a part out of our like frontal lobes. (laughs) You won't be needing this anymore.
1: (laughs) So, I suppose, on that note, uh, Caleb... Given everything you know about Doctor Who, and given the title of this episode, The War Games, what do you think this episode's going to be about?
0: After escaping Milo and the dreaded pirates, the Doctor and his friends find themselves flung into the far future in a time where there is only war in the grim darkness of the 41st century. There war. it <laughs> is. Yeah, I knew it. You knew it. <laughs> what else was like in the same. Uh, JK The Doctor ends up in nineteen like eighty-one Britain And meets Steve Jackson And Ian Livingston And says Hey You should make a game About space Are those the creators Of Warhammer It sure is All okay. of like Maybe one person Watching this podcast Is gonna know <laughs> What I just said <laughs> They're just
1: gonna They're just gonna respond With the With the Captain America uh, Gif of I understood that reference
0: <laughs> uh, But yeah Uh, the doctor low-key invents 40k okay okay a a game that was not invented yet when this episode (laughs) came out
1: i still i i propose this idea to you um and i stand behind it i think you should make an army in uh, 40k that's just the daleks and just all of them are the exact same unit
0: and all of them just have the death ray we were talking about that the other day because um I don't know how many of our fa- oh, like 30 of our fans are 40K players, but there is an army in 40K that's basically Cybermen.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I think you brought that up in like the first couple of Cybermen episodes.
0: <laughs> they they are robots. They do tend to sleep in pyramid-like structures. They generally do not like humanity. <laughs> So yeah, I I could do with the Necmo one. I'm trying I'm trying to play around with cuz I'm not against doing a Dalek army. I just need to think about what it would be and how. Yeah.
1: Well, I know absolutely nothing about uh Warhammer, so um uh, I'm just in the ideas man for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you should do this.
1: <laughs> and on that note, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. <laughs> and we're back may have just been a couple seconds for you but it was nine days for us i know i've said it before but i love it whenever we have less days than there are episodes because <laughs> that almost never happens it could have been even less because I don't know about you, Caleb. I was done with this story in like three because I watched an episode and then I wanted to watch another episode and then I wanted to watch another episode and then I had to go to sleep and then I watched another episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. In our chat, Mac is pestering me and they're like, hey, this episode's really good. And then it's all right. When do you want to record? All right. When do you want to record? <laughs> come on i I don't (laughs) want to talk about it i had a pretty sporadic week at work so i watched the first four or five episodes kind of earlier in the week and i had to like binge them all the other half yesterday
1: yeah uh so yeah caleb um general thoughts
0: what'd you think of the war games it was pretty good pretty good yeah i don't think it's my favorite so for For reasons we'll get into, but I will say I like the back half of the story significantly more than the front half. Okay.
1: Yeah, th- there were various aspects of the episode that I was just like, I feel like Caleb's gonna really, really like this one. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get into it. But first, we do have a couple of uh, post you notes. This is the first time that we see the Doctor's home planet, although it's not mentioned by name. Uh, this is the first time the Doctor's species, the Time Lords, is named on screen, and... This is the final regular appearance of Patrick Troughton as the second Doctor, Fraser Hines as Jamie McCrimmon, and Wendy Padbury as Zoe Harriet. A lot of shit goes down in this story.
0: (laughs) Yeah, a lot does. As much as I love Patrick Troughton though, I'm most sad about Jamie.
1: I legitimately started like tearing up a little bit (laughs) when Jamie was leaving. (laughs) (laughs) And then also Zoe left. Uh, yeah also zoe left but mostly jamie and i don't know his we'll get we'll get into it but his departure is probably one of the most tragic ones
0: and we've had companions actually die (laughs) (laughs) to be fair we didn't know that those companions that well so yeah
1: very true very true but uh yeah i'm i'm excited to talk about it so uh let's talk about it let's
0: dive into it i'll read my episode one description the Doctor and his friends materialize in the middle of a desolated landscape, still laughing about their terrible time in the previous adventure. The Doctor's mood quickly changes, though, when he realizes they are in the middle of a war zone, specifically 1917, in the midst of the Great War. A woman in an ambulance picks them up and offers to drive them across No Man's Land. They are ambushed by a British officer named Car Stars and his men, who take them back to the British camp. After a brief exchange, the commanding officer believes the travelers are German spies and must be dealt with personally by General Smythe. As the travelers are brought to Smythe, the man has a strange conversation with a hidden console about needing more specimens. He also uses the dorkiest pair of glasses ever to control people's minds. The travelers are given a sham trial and Smythe orders them to be executed the next morning. Despite their attempts to convince everyone they are innocent, the episode still ends with the doctor up against the firing wall, grimacing as a shot rings out.
1: In case people are curious about this episode and might want to watch it after they listen to us talk about it, fucking seizure warning. Yeah. (laughs) Because each episode starts with like a bomb drop and like there's the flash of the bomb. And I had to I don't I don't know about you. I had to look away from the screen during the opening credits for
0: every single episode <laughs> no, it didn't bother me as much because you said epilepsy warning. And I was like, yeah, okay, Meg. And then I watched and I was like, that is pretty intense. It didn't really bother me, but I can understand how it bothered other people. I uh, distinctly remember going to see Scott Pilgrim vs. the world with you mm-hmm. in theaters. Uh-huh. And you had a really hard time with the intro sequence. Yeah. I might have minor epilepsy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's just people with epilepsy who struggle with like the flashing light sequences yeah i distinctly remember that that's just an aside so
1: personally i think the tardis materializing dead smack dab in the middle of no man's
0: land is a pretty good way to grab someone's attention (laughs) yeah it was good i mean like they sit there they talk for a little bit and the doctor's like well look at this barren landscape and then like a bombshell goes off yeah uh i'm gonna go ahead and give
1: you this piece of trivia right now because i'm i'm assuming it's during this opening scene that this that this happens there was a scene that required the TARDIS crew to hear an explosion and duck down. Be- before they had filmed it, Patrick Troughton insisted that he hear see the explosion before they shoot, so he knew what to be prepared for. And they did the explosion, and then a huge boulder ended up landing where they should have been standing in the scene. And Troughton said, see,
0: that's why I wanted to test it first. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Chan's already almost been crushed to death in this show. He uh, he, he's not fucking around. Yeah, no kidding. Also, great safety measures on set for oh, the show. Yes, absolutely, top top notch stuff. Always, always. I actually know of like a couple of other
1: near death experiences that happened behind the scenes of Doctor Who. It's amazing that we didn't have more actor deaths <laughs> on Doctor Who than we
0: did. <laughs> <laughs> i like how you say more i cannot wait to the, get to the parts where people actually die on the sand look i don't know any of any off the top of my head
1: i'm learning new things by doing this trivia research <laughs> <laughs> but they they eventually get led over to one of the trenches and the doctor calls world war one one of the most terrible times on planet earth and and it was it absolutely was i in no way wanted to dis- diminish the the catastrophic horrors and loss of life during World War 1. I. I am however curious as to whether they picked this setting because World War 2 was only a couple of decades ago at the time of recording yeah. and it may have been a little bit of a fle- a, a fresh wound for some viewers.
0: <laughs> Still too close.
1: They give a a reason why World War 1 is why they're where they're at, but um I call bull on the reason when we get to it. Well, before they get to the, um, the trench, they're ambushed by some German soldiers, and, um, I I clocked it that it was another instance in which the TARDIS should have been translating that German, but it didn't. And then they do get to the trench, and Jamie is understandably confused. He has no idea where he is, and he asks what they're fighting for. And my response is, wonderful question, Jamie. Are you familiar with the concept of dominoes?
0: (laughs) Yeah, good question, Jamie. Anyway.
1: And then they're frustrated that they're not being allowed to go back out into no man's land into the TARDIS. And they say that they have no reason to they have no reason to keep us. And I'm like, I mean, they do. A, you're a bunch of possible civilians that were just running around in a war zone. So like protective custody is a thing. Uh, B, they might assume you're spies. And then they assume they're spies. <laughs>
0: Yeah, guess which one they picked. <laughs> and so after their after the what is his name? I think the kind of commanding officer in the trench is Ransom, I think that's his name. Ransom was the uh the general's right hand man at HQ. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get them all mixed up. You don't need to remember who who all of them are. <laughs> the commanding officer of this unit doesn't really have
1: much much to do.
0: All he says is, you have to go see General Smythe, which I don't know why a general is personally interrogating prisoners. That seems like the total opposite chain of the chain of command. Yeah, it
1: feels like there should be a couple
0: more steps before we reach the general. <laughs> but anyways, they do go see General Smythe, and General Smythe is in his office, and he kind of like opens up a picture frame, and there's this weird computer console thing mm-hmm. there. And uh, he has this conversation where he notably does not look at the screen for some reason. Yeah. And he's like, I need more specimens.
1: Yeah, I thought that, like, maybe it was more of, like, a telepathic communication kind of thing. Like, that's what it was. But then later on, they use it as, like, well, like a Discord call. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I, I was curious about that myself. I think the writing in this episode is very good because if you ever do, like... Reading into like a soldiers' firsthand experience at World War One, they talk a lot about how they have difficulty remembering stuff that happened before the war, and it feels like they've been here forever. And they they talk they talk like that. They talk like they can't remember how long they've been stationed here. And then the major response is that it feels like it's been forever. And then you find out that's actually a plot point later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, foreshadowing.
1: <laughs> they also. Uh, in this episode, they refer to the enemy as the Huns. I guess that was just like a term they used for the Germans. But I was kind of expecting it to be like a twist where like there's a battle and they're literal Huns that they're fighting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I told the Hun just charges down a hill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was wondering at what point you realized that
0: it wasn't just, oh, we're just in World War One. The point I realized it? Yeah you realize something something was up well something was obviously up when Smythe kind of looked off into the distance on his video call oh yeah that's true i was like that's weird and then he (laughs) i really have to emphasize how dweeby his glasses are because he has these glasses and when he puts them on and tells people what to think they think it yeah so they're doing this like sham trial trying to make the doctor out as a spy and uh, i think it's car stars is like I don't think he is. And he puts on these, like, glasses that, like, magnify his eyes, like, four times. And then he's like, the man is a spy. And then Carstars is like, yeah, he's a spy. That was another hint. Yeah. <laughs> they had those in World War I. The, less of a hint because I was laughing because, like, I really cannot emphasize how fucking huge it makes his eyes. You know, it's funny you say that because I remember them being as rather small and just kind of, like like, taking up, like, half of his eyes. No, the glasses are small, but it magnifies his eyes to a very huge proportion. (laughs) They're like Coke bottle lenses.
1: Uh, Before the doctor is like led off to his cell, he uh, tells Zoe, goodbye, my dear. And I was like, hey, he said the thing.
0: Ah, the thing. (laughs) I think this episode is like a very good start. I feel like the next three really drag for me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I have one major complaint about this episode that um, we'll we'll get to when it becomes more relevant. Um, but yeah, I do kind of agree.
0: I hope it's the complaint I have
1: so <laughs> probably is. She snuck into the general's room in order to get keys so that he she could bust out the doctor and at one point she's like searching around the room and she has to like reach up in order to reach the painting to move it move it to the side. and I'm like, Man, so he's fucking short. <laughs> <laughs> Teeny tiny little girl. Gotta be like 4'9", four 4'11". Four and then I thought the... uh I mean, it's not a good cliffhanger in that it was just immediately resolved the next episode, which we hate. But I thought it was a good cliffhanger in that I genuinely have no idea how the doctor is going to get out of just having a firing squad shoot at him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Full on blindfold cigarette. They should have given him a cigarette. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wrote, really, I mean, I to say it is a good first episode, I think, but it's this like middle section where this story really drags and kind of keeps it from being one of my favorites. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah, let's do it. Episode two The shot came from an unknown assailant, and the Doctor and Zoe get away as chaos ensues. We also see Smythe dematerialize in a strange machine. While in prison, Jamie is paired with a stranger who claims he is a redcoat from 1745. Zoe and the doctor impersonate British officers to try and find Jamie, but when the plan unravels, they manage to convince Carstairs and the ambulance driver, Jennifer, that things are not as they seem. They also discover the strange console in Smith in Smite, Is it Smythe? Smythe. Smythe's office. Yeah. Jennifer and Carstairs help the doctor and his friends escape the British stronghold and end up driving through some mist. As the mist fades, the companions find themselves on a new battlefield, facing down a charge from Roman soldiers.
1: I like the subtle touches of the mysterious machine that Smythe is using, using similar sound effects as the TARDIS, without it, with it having like a completely different appearance. Mm-hmm. You just have like a bit of an "oh shit" moment of like the enemy also has a TARDIS. <laughs> only this one seems to
0: yeah work (laughs) (laughs) i think i think what i like about this episode is like it does a good job of kind of like planting the seeds of things to come Mm -hmm. and like it does have a good like build of the mystery and being like oh what's going on yeah yeah it's something i really like about it too but boy howdy does it kind of just like circle in on itself
1: repeatedly to get to that point (laughs) i'll go ahead and bring this up now one of my biggest complaints about this story is they get captured and then escape and then they get captured, and then they escape, and then they get captured, and then they escape, and then they get captured, mm-hmm. and then they escape, and like it, that just seems to be what the story is over and over again. Who captures them specifically changes, but a lot of the story is the sh- them just getting captured and then escaping.
0: Yeah, and it also hits on, it's very repetitive like that. That's absolutely true. But also, it uses a weirdly same language. I'll bring this up in the next episode. But they get captured, and they're like, well, we think you're spies. Let me talk to our officer. I put on glasses. Yep, they're spies. You need to go to a firing squad. That happens four fucking times in this story. (laughs) Does it really happen four times? Well, they do it at the British. Yeah. They go to the Germans and it happens. Yes. Uh, I refer to I refer to the episode description as episode one, German Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> and then it kind of happens a little differently with the Confederates. Yeah. And then later, they get back to Smythe and have a very abbreviated conversation that's basically the same thing. That's true. Wow, that does happen four times, does not it? Yeah. And like by the time it got to the Confederates, it's like, alright, I fucking get it.
1: <laughs> I like how the doctor passes his deception check by pretending to be the examiner from headquarters and just like walking around the prison like he owns the place and is, like demanding to see the latest prisoner, yada, yada, yada. And I also like that in the second doctor's first story and the second doctor's last story, he is pretending to be an examiner from
0: HQ. <laughs> it is a neat little bookend. It's a classic uh, old man indignation that just keeps working. Because <laughs> like he comes in like he and... He's like, I'm this, like, examining officer from HQ, and this is my assistant. And the—it's um, not Ransom, it's some other guy. He's like, well, can I see your papers? And he's like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. It's
1: like the warden or whatever of the prison. This is something that I really, really like about this story, is that Jamie finally—like, Jamie finally gets to talk to someone from his own time, a soldier who was in the exact same war that he was in, but now, because of everything that he's experienced with the doctor, he gets to talk with a lot more knowledge and authority than he's ever gotten a chance to. It's something that's something that happens a lot, where, like, Jamie gets to actually be, like, use, actually gets to use his experience and to almost become, like, a commander. And it's something that I really, really like that happens over the course of the story. Um, I just, I just want good things for Jamie. And I'm glad
0: this story gives it to me. <laughs> yeah, he, he does. Uh, it's almost like an independence from the doctor. Like mm-hmm. he's using his experience to, you know, take charge and be in command and know things.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because he's always been so like dependent on the doctor up until this point. I really like that he has a chance to not only stand on his own but also lead, which just makes makes his departure all the all the worse. <laughs> yeah i agree also zoe was there <laughs> also zoe was there they kind of do the sick man routine a little bit but Jamie's style where uh he and that red coat soldier are like getting into a fight in the cell and then the guard comes in to break up the fight and then they both just like yeah spring on the guard <laughs> which i appreciated
0: yeah and then the red coat gets gunned down the red coat gets gunned down
1: and the warden has keyed into the doctor is a fake Uh, And he starts to call, um, I think, General. And then Zoe smashes a vase over his head and knocks him out. My only note about that is, hooray, Zoe did something. (laughs) It will be the last time she does something.
0: Not true. Not true. Not true.
1: This is the episode in which I no longer dislike Zoe. So it's kind of a shame that this is her last episode. (laughs) I think she's she's
0: fine. She's fine.
1: Fine, but she's not good <laughs> and then to close it out my last note is it's the roman legion they heard how you burned down rome and they're pissed
0: <laughs> there he is <laughs> it all circles back in on itself the only other real thing to know is like everyone seems to be weirdly brainwashed and then have no memory and the doctor convinces car stars and Je- and jennifer that Something weird is going on. You need to help me out. Yeah. That takes us right into episode three. Indeed. The travelers make a hasty retreat back through the mist and back into 1917. The doctor decides they need to go back to Smythe's headquarters to get a proper map. Car stars pretends to have recaptured the group, and they make their way back to Smythe's office and blow up a safe for the map. They get away and escape in the ambulance. Hard cut to everyone being captured by the German line. And then it's episode one, German Boogaloo. The soldiers have foggy memories, and the German officers quickly demand death. This time, though, the Doctor is able to convince one of the soldiers he is from the future using his sonic screwdriver. The travelers escape again, and Smythe has a conversation with a man referred to as the War Chief. The man tells him to organize a party to pursue the interlopers. The Doctor and his friends arrive in the Civil War, and after being chased into a barn, discover a strange machine that seems bigger on the inside than the outside. The Doctor and Zoe step into it and dematerialize, leaving Jamie and Jennifer behind.
1: Is it weird... That they see the, the legionnaires, like, charging at them, and their their first instinct is to go back to the German front lines where they were being actively bombed at. I don't know what would be worse. If I had to choose, <laughs> I'd take my chances with the legion.
0: Uh, I don't know. I think I'd prefer to be blown up by a bomb, because uh you're more likely to actually just die. Whereas you can be lanced with a Roman spear and then die of sepsis three weeks later. See... They're in a jeep at the time, though, so I'm like,
1: it'd be easier to escape the Legion.
0: Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. You can just go off-road. You cannot run those horses. I don't I don't like my chances with the mortar that's actively being aimed at us. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's at this point that the doctor's like, well, I guess we'll just go back to where we came from. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we we literally just escaped Carstars and his little base thing. But we should go back. Absolutely. I think
1: Carstairs is the... Is the guy who's like with them though, right?
0: Oh yeah, I say Carstairs. I meant Smythe. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Carstairs like takes them back to the HQ under like the guise that they're being held captive, and then Captain Ransom is the only one there, and because Smythe is at the meeting with the War Chief, and Carstairs and Jamie like turn their guns on Ransom, and Ransom accuses them, accuses him, accuses him of mutiny. And I'm like, don't be ridiculous, Captain Ransom. This isn't mutiny. It's treason. It's very different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is a very different situation. So yeah, so basically a good chunk of this episode is like Car Star's just like stalling for time mm-hmm. while the Doctor and Jamie blow up a safe. Yeah. Uh, which I kind of like it because like this is a sequence where, like the Doctor goes like very MacGyver. He's like, wait, I can take this. I can take the explosive stuff out of this grenade and fiddle around and stick it in the lock. <laughs> I like that. So breaks a candle and
1: takes out the wick to like extend the extend the fuse. I, I really like that scene because there's some other soldier comes in and like is talking with Carstairs, but the doctor's already lit the fuse. And so like they can't leave the room because that soldier will key into what's happening. But at the same time, there's like a fucking fuse <laughs> going that's going to set off this bomb. And I just thought it was genuinely Tense scene that I really liked
0: Yeah I like this scene a lot Uh, So afterwards after the bomb Or after the grenade goes off uh, They capture Ransom Or that other soldier I don't know I got them all confused But I I make the note of like Carstairs is like Taking their guns I was like you're in too deep Carstairs Just shoot them (laughs) It's a liability You can't risk it just shoot them Uh, Which is a note I make a lot about everything Yes it is i make the note very repeatedly why don't they just shoot them for both sides of the issue
1: oh you're talking about this story specifically i thought you were talking about this podcast
0: <laughs> oh well yes this podcast in general i make the note a lot that they should just shoot them but it is very frequent in this episode where i'm like just shoot them like you have no reason to keep them alive just shoot them uh the bad guys would have won this story if they were just actually bad guys
1: hey i think we just may have keyed into the reason why they didn't just shoot them <laughs> Yeah, then we hard fucking cut to the German base. And they're being interrogated by this soldier who, God bless him, he's trying his best to do
0: a German accent. (laughs) He's just not doing a very good job of it. (laughs) But dialing back a second, we cannot emphasize enough, it is a hard cut. They are driving, and then, like, they get stopped by German soldiers in, like, gas masks. And the doctor's like, oh, well, hello, German soldiers. And, like, it's a hard cut to Jamie and Zoe being in prison. Yeah. But I've seen like intense editing like that since uh, Enemy of the World. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I I do genuinely love that the doctor is trying to convince this soldier that he's from the future, and he uses probably the thing that a lot of people would be yelling at him at the screen to do, which is he busts out his future tech of a sonic screwdriver and just like undoes one of the bolts on his gun and then redoes it. Mm-hmm. And I love it even more that to the. Um... <laughs> That the German Commander with the scar over one eye and the monocle, you know, as all Germans have, um, then wipes that soldier's minds and convinces him that he's the, the doctor's a spy. And so the soldier goes back to be like, you're a spy. And so the doctor just shows him the sonic screwdriver again, and it works.
0: (laughs) uh the best part of that sequence i have two notes about this sequence uh hey it is a genuinely great thing of like, him showing him how the sonic screwdriver works and the soldier being amazed and then he does it again he's like here give me a gun i'll show you again yes what I did. and he's like wow isn't that amazing and then he points the gun at him.
1: <laughs> yeah because <laughs> he's like you can you can leave your hand on the gun if you want i'm not gonna do anything with it and he does the sonic screwdriver uh trick and the german just like takes his hands away he's just like oh my gosh, he's like, yeah, we've got lots of tricks like that, watch! And he tosses the gun to Jamie, and Jamie holds the
0: like <laughs> I genuinely laughed at that. <laughs> Incredible moment. Uh, going back to, like, the German Oscar, I think his name is, like, Von Weich or something like that? Something like that. Von Weich, I don't know. But uh, he, he's got this, like, really diabolical monocle that also gives him, like, a Coke bottle lens. Yeah. Magna- magnifying effect. And the most cartoonishly evil fucking voice I think I've ever heard. Yeah, picture like... Definitely the most cartoonish in this voice, in this show. Yeah, picture like
1: the stereotypical like German officer and like he's bald, he's got the scar over one eye and the monocle. That's him. That's the performance he's giving.
0: That's the performance he's giving and the person giving the performance is uh, Piglet. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, his voice is just, like, weirdly high-pitched. Not, 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 uh, not I'm not judging. It was just surprising, because he does, he's bald, he's got the scar. You expect this, like, gravelly voice, and then he's like, Who are these fellows? His voice <laughs> is
1: very much like this. I genuinely laughed at that. Yeah. So, um, the war chief shares a lot of similarities with the character that will be introduced later. And they're not the same character, but I understand why the fan theory exists that the war chief is this other character. He has not been introduced yet, but when we get to him, you'll you'll see what I mean.
0: Spoilers is a pretty good reason why it's probably not the same person. I can already tell you that. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then they're they're driving through the uh, American Civil War zone, and a tree falls down in front of them. And then they get out to check the tree. I'm like, don't get out to check the tree, jackass. That's such an obvious trap. Go around it. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> and,
0: this, and this is after they've already been shot at. So they already know there are people around trying to kill them. And then they get ambushed by Confederate soldiers. So, And then like, wow, what a coincidence. This tree just fell in the middle of the road that we were driving
1: down. That's so weird. Like, I know that we keep going from war zone to war zone. But like, that doesn't mean that this tree has anything to do with that i wonder what kind of tree it is i should go out to take a look to see what kind of tree it is and then yeah they get ambushed and i thought the fights were pretty well choreographed
0: yeah for doctor who standards yeah uh, like definitely definitely for doctor who standards yeah what i like about this episode is kind of how action-packed it is i feel like there's a lot of like for momentum and tension and a lot of shooty shooty bang bang yeah and the testosterone in my brain is just flaring off the whole time.
1: <laughs> yeah, my note is, word for word, this episode has a lot of violence and surprisingly well-choreographed fights. I hope Caleb likes it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got some fucking opinions in the next episode, so...
1: <laughs> I do think that Lieutenant Carstairs is a fucking badass, though, because because they've moved the tree over to the side, and he just, like, stays behind to take on this entire confederate squad by himself <laughs> so that they can
0: escape that's right because I, I watched it and i see car says like be a bass, he pulls out his guns i was like car says you better kill all these fucking soldiers 19th century muskets were not that accurate and you have a revolver which also isn't that accurate but is more accurate
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i had that thought too like that at one point later like they get surrounded and point have muskets pointed at them i was like that's just gonna hurt the people on the other side of this circle more than the people they're actually pointing a gun at. (laughs) (laughs) Those muskets can't aim for crap.
0: Yeah, I know. It's like when, like, the Confederate soldiers, like, in the trees, and, like, they're shooting and no one falls down. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That's up. That tracks. Normally, in any (laughs) other scenario, I would accuse these guys of being
1: stormtroopers, but nah, they're doing the best with the god. (laughs) 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 We cut to the Warlord HQ, and they're, like, basically playing a game of like okay I'm gonna move this over here and then this over here but it'll be totally overwhelmed yes and you'll be able to you'll be able to test the morale of your troops and it's like okay well then I'll move this over here but then I'll be overwhelmed then you can test the morale of your troops <laughs> all right four ups
0: that was a warhammer reference
1: well my note is actually look they're playing warhammer so that makes sense
0: <laughs> yeah that adds up yeah and then then they're in the the barn. They get chased into the barn and this is kinda of where the episode ends because they're they hide and like a strange TARDIS like machine appears and like a bunch of troops come out of it and run out and they're like, Well that seems bigger on the inside than it does the outside.
1: And I'm like, Yeah, I get it. it's a TARDIS. There's also an, a very interesting character moment here where the Doctor and Zoe go into the not TARDIS. Did you catch what they called it? No. They only I didn't. said the name of those machines once. It's called a Sidrat. rat. I think they said side side rat, but it's a it's a sid rat, which is just tart backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what's the, the what's the uh,
0: acronym on that?
1: But anyway, the doctor and Zoe go into the sid rat, and um, Jennifer doesn't because she's she goes over to the door.
0: I forget why. Yeah, her and Jamie are like looking out the. I think they're looking out the door to make sure those soldiers are coming. Yeah,
1: but it's it's interesting because. The Doctor and Zoe go into the Sid rap, but Jennifer goes over to the door, and Jamie is clearly, like, back and forth of, like, where should where should we go? And I like that he stayed. He stayed to help Jennifer rather than going with the Doctor. Because ordinari- ordinarily, like, Jamie is just, like, on the Doctor's heels all the time. Like, he'll follow the Doctor wherever he goes. But he's also very, like, loyal person who will help people. And so... I like that that instinct took over rather than his following the doctor. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was that was a very interesting character moment. Yeah, a good moment. Yeah.
0: Yes. You see you see Jamie coming along. Also, Jamie has consistently I'm not gonna say he had a thing for Jennifer, but he has consistently helped women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If it was a man, he'd be
1: like, ah, oh, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> yeah that is very true i hard to
0: say whether that's jamie or fraser Hines more but (laughs) i got nothing else to say on this episode yeah other than like jamie seems like genuinely upset when the tars or like the thing dematerializes and he's like no i was like jamie no (laughs) i was really i was waiting for it because like i think i've picked up on the pattern of anytime they do like the flashy, crazy intro sequences, like that's the last episode for that <laughs> doctor. So I'm getting the vibe the whole time. I'm like, this feels like
1: the end of something. It's really funny because with the first doctor and with all the different behind the scenes trivia, you were able to key in pretty quickly. This like, okay, William Hartnell's on his way out. This is this, we're we're coming up on his last episode. You also started. When we had like five episodes left of Patrick Troughton, you were like, I think we're coming to the end of the second Doctor. And I'm like, how does he know that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can feel it in my soul. (laughs) But this episode, like, it's got the fancy intro sequence, so like, it feels like the end of something. And I'm waiting the whole time. I was like, what's the fuckery they're going to do to get rid of Jamie? (laughs) I was was like, there's almost nothing that will make me happy about it. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have so many things to say about Jamie's departure,
0: but we're nowhere close to that. So (laughs) let's just go ahead and go to episode four. Yeah. Episode four. uh, Probably my least favorite episode of this arc, I think. But let's get into it. Jennifer and Jamie are captured by Union soldiers, and they are very hostile and say the commanding officer doesn't like spies. What a surprise. (laughs) The Union soldiers are chased off by Confederate soldiers, and they are just packed with Southern sweetness. I really fucking hate that. Yeah, we'll get to that. (laughs) However, the commanding officer shows up and changes their minds with his dopey monocle. They are suddenly hostile to Jamie and Jennifer. A black Union soldier shows up and helps the two escape, but is caught by the Confederates in the process. He refers to a resistance and says the officer's mind control tricks won't work on him. Meanwhile, Jamie and Zoe explore the strange place they now find themselves. They see frozen specimens of soldiers from different eras and even attend a seminar ta- talking about how their mind control process works. When the war chief enters and recognizes the doctor, he instantly orders everyone to capture him. Meanwhile, Jennifer and Jamie are captured by the Confederates again and brought back, which kind of defeats the point of them escaping in the first place. However, they are freed by resistance fighters, though they are equally as hostile to the Travelers. Zoe runs into stars in the strange base, but he pulls a gun on her, calling her a German spy. It's kind of hilarious
1: how much, at least at the at this time, a lot of British actors can either do, Will golly, down home Southern American accent or a John Wayne impression, because I was just like, whoa, what are the chances that they meet another John Wayne? <laughs> because they're talking with some <laughs> of these these American
0: soldiers and <laughs> just like.
1: You really just have the two voices, don't you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of hilarious. So the Union soldiers are just assholes, which I don't know what it is. But again, I was a big Western guy. I really like the Clint Eastwood Westerns. There's this really weird penchant for making Union soldiers terrible and Confederate soldiers nice. Yeah, I
1: don't like it. I don't like it. I was very uncomfortable with it, too, because my note is, oh, thank God, we've been saved by all these kind and thoughtful Confederate soldiers, not like those mean and barbaric Union soldiers.
0: Yeah, real un- real cringe and uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of cringe and uncomfortable,
1: they get rescued by a black Union soldier, and... Boy Howdy is the Confederate commander
0: really acting like they're talking to a Black Union soldier? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. For when the Black Union soldier arrives, at first I'm like, "Yes, murder the Confederates." Yeah, I need it. <laughs> I need it to happen. And then he gets captured, and the officer comes in. I was like, "All right, here's the countdown to him being called Boy." I'm super excited for that part. Almost instantly. Almost instantly, he gets Almost called Boy. Instantly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyways the black office the black soldier's name is harper and he's great for the he's yeah he's great for episodes he's there he's great for the minute and a half he's on screen so all of that is happening he helps jamie and jennifer escape and then they get captured and brought back and have a conversation with him which makes me think why the fuck did they leave in the first place yeah
1: it was at that point because somehow jamie and jennifer get separated and then he meets up back up with her and that's when they get surrounded by the the soldiers and that's when i was that's when i was like honestly they're probably fine (laughs) i think they'll be good
0: (laughs) the more interesting part of this episode happens in the kind of warlord hq i don't know if they ever actually name where they're at they're just at this place where the bad guys are, not really. It's also worth knowing through the whole story, they don't name who these people are. Like they have titles, like that's the security officer, this is the war chief. But like at one point, the war chief refers to them as aliens, but they don't have any race or any other kind of like goal beyond like a vague conquest. No,
1: and if you go on the um, the TARDIS wiki, they refer to the enemies as the warlords, but if you watch the episode only one character is ever referred to as the warlord he hasn't been introduced yet but
0: and he's like the big guy in charge so who the fuck are these people yeah exactly that's another one big critiques of the episode is like at a certain point it's hard to care because i don't really know who these people are what they want Mm -hmm, that's fair and even when it's explained i'm like i still don't really know who they are (laughs) yeah
1: the, the interpersonal character relationships are explained but just like Who they are isn't
0: explained. Like a house was built without a foundation. (laughs) Yeah. But I do think the stronger half of this episode is with Jamie, or not with Jamie, uh, with Zoe and the doctor in this place with all of them. Because they put on these like goofy goggle things and like they basically pretend they're supposed to be there. Yeah. And they see the soldiers taken out of history and like in like stasis. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they watch a big long seminar where the scientist is like, this is how our mind control process works. And then they bring on car stars. (laughs) To be specific, he says,
1: as you know, this is how our mind control system works. (laughs)
0: Like
1: (laughs) Classic exposition. Just have the classroom be full of people who are learning this for the first time. And have that be your exposition. You don't need... Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, and then the doctor starts asking a whole bunch of questions in class. And he basically asks, is there any way to undo the brainwashing? And the scientist
0: is like, oh, yes,
1: of course we can completely undo everything we've worked for. It's a very simple process. Here, let me show you.
0: <laughs> the whole time I'm watching that sequence, when he's like asking questions and at one point like gets up on stage. just like, doctor, keep a low profile. Oh, my God. Can you not keep the ego in check for like five minutes? Doctor's never had a low profile a day in his life. <laughs> doctor, just chill the fuck out. You're supposed to be incognito. You are not supposed to be here.
1: I mean, he did that so that he could learn how to undo the mind control, but
0: still. But still. You couldn't you couldn't wait till no one else was in the room. You couldn't wait for all the students to leave and then ask. And so anyway, so Car Stars is like the subject of like the scientist's experimentations. And like he looks down at uh, Jamie and, or God, I keep saying Jamie, Zoe and the doctor. And he's like, those are the German spies. And the scientist is just like, well, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't supposed to happen. And then the war chief walks in and like this is where it gets interesting. The war chief walks in, without any other interaction, instantly recognizes the doctor. Yeah.
1: They both instantly recognize each other because the doctor's just like just like happily standing with the group and then the war chief glances over and they lock eyes and the doctor is like, oh shit. (laughs) She starts running
0: But I like that. And again, I really like that because like there's a little there's things like that through the whole story where you're like, wow, it builds up really well. And I think despite some of the other issues I have, I think the story really pays off in the end. I think so, too. I also just make the side note of my dad is a huge Civil War buff, and
1: I was wondering if he would like this episode. But I think ironically, once it starts going into more of the sci fi aspect, I think he would like it less. (laughs) So never mind. (laughs) And then my last note is, well,
0: Zoe's dead. Oh, well, can't be helped.
1: Yep, can't do anything
0: about it. <laughs> oh, darn. Dang. And if they got rid of Zoe like that, I'd be like, nah, okay. Uh, Too bad it's so sad. <laughs> I, I guess episode five? Yeah. Zoe is captured by one of the scientists and taken for interrogation. Back at their resistance camp, they are discussing killing Jamie and Jennifer. Harper, the black soldier, stands up for them and even gets into a fist fight with one of his comrades over it. The fight is broken up by Russell, the group's leader. Zoe is interrogated with a weird machine and the scientist seems perturbed when she claims she's from the 21st century. The doctor stumbles into an area with the lead scientist and he convinces him that the security alert was for the girl Zoe and not him. Von Weish, the Confederate officer, sets off an alarm to notify his command. Soldiers with strange weapons appear at the rebel camp and begin shooting at the rebels. Jimmy and the others quickly overpower them, but Harper is killed in the process. The doctor frees Zoe from the scientist and traps him in his own device. When he is freed, he says the Doctor and his friends are indeed time travelers, but only the War Chief and his people have mastered time travel. The Doctor, Zoe, and now Carstars hide as they try to figure out how to escape. Jamie and the Rebels appear in one of the machines, but they are gunned down as they exit.
1: One of my first notes is, now that's a choice for room decor. Because in the room where Zoe is being interrogated, Oh yeah. The entire back wall is just like a bizarre, like black and white spiral circle within circles thing and it just it's really weird.
0: <laughs> it is. It's very 60s. Yeah,
1: it's very 60s because like if that was like the wall they were using to like hypnotize Zoe to interrogate her that'd be one thing. But no, as far as I can tell that's just how they decided to paint that wall. <laughs> <laughs> she's not even looking at it when she's being interrogated.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the lead scientist guy uh puts on this like It's not the least. Just whoever's interrogating her puts on this like big goofy helmet with like these like really long goggles. Yeah, which I guess it's like supposed to make her tell the truth. I don't know. It doesn't really explain it, but he's like staring at her with these like extended goggles, and he's like, "Tell us which time zone you're from." And she's like, "I'm from the 21st century." And he's like, "Wrong. Try again." I was like, "Is it supposed to work? If it's supposed to make her tell the truth, shouldn't you just believe everything she says?" Yeah, exactly. A couple notes.
1: One, yeah, surely they could have picked a less stupid hat for their interrogation thing. Two, this is this is so weird, and I, and it's so minor, but I, I have to know. So, in one of the shots, uh, where it's, like, behind Zoe, where she's sitting, and, like, it's looking at the guy as he's interrogating her, Wendy Padbury is slightly transparent. You can see the stuff in front of her, just, like, barely, and it's really fucking weird and i don't know why (laughs) is this early green
0: screening or something
1: maybe i can't tell (laughs) i didn't notice that yeah like it's very subtle but i was but I, i noticed it i was like wait what the fuck but uh we need to address something wheel in space took place in the 21st century yeah i thought it took place at like the end of the 21st century I could have sworn like it was much more futuristic than that. I thought it was like 23rd or something like that. I don't
0: know. Granted, this is from an era where like they were very generous about what was going to be accomplished in the 21st century. Granted,
1: yes. I don't know. I checked and it was like set in 2089. I was like, that seems a little early. I don't know. It's just me. And then this ge- genius scientist who's developed this uh, mind-wiping technology fucking falls for the doctor a second time and then just gets trapped
0: in his own machine (laughs) classic boy if only the bad guys were like halfway intelligent
1: again i do really like how jamie's with the rebels and he is kind of the expert on any of this any of the stuff that's happening right now i just like that i mean this as as not a joke or an insult towards him he is genuinely the brains of the
0: operation (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jamie, you're so great. I think the moment that, like, really stands out to me is, like, after the soldiers arrive and, like, shoot a bunch of them, and, like, they end up beating them. Uh, They're, like, standing over Harper's body, and they're talking about, like, wow, that gun, like, killed him, but there doesn't seem to be any kind of damage and like one of the soldiers was like casually points up at Jamie. And he's like, "How do you think they did it?" He's like, "Get that thing out of my face!" <laughs> I thought that was a great moment. They have the Sidrat,
1: and um, they're picking a squad to go back to the headquarters. And Jennifer tries to go with them, and Jamie tells her to to stay. And she says, "Why?" Because because I'm a woman. He's like, "Well, yeah, actually." <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jamie! But then I was kind of I'm kind of hoping that. After all this time, he would have gotten over his sexism by now. Oh, well. No, he's still an
0: 18th century Scott at heart.
1: But then the resistance commander gives an actual reason for her to stay behind, which is, I have a lot of hurt men, and you're a nurse. Can you please go make sure they don't die? And she's like, fine. <laughs> That's fine. That's an actually good reason for her to stay behind. Also, so long, Jennifer. I think it's the last time we see her. I'm pretty sure it is, yes. I also think that the head of security, the one who was like interrogating Zoe or something, it felt like he was doing his best Alan Rickman impression because he keeps talking like this, especially any time he refers to the war
0: lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. He talks very slowly. Yeah, and then uh and then they take the Sidrat to the warlord base and get gunned down as soon as they walk out, and that's where the episode ends. Yeah. Imagine if Jamie actually died. Again, like this this it's
1: amazing how often that this is the this is the cliffhanger that we end on. But like for real though, imagine if Jamie died.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought that. It was like when he fell down, I was like, I know he's not dead, but how the fuck are they gonna explain it? I think the real audacious part of it is I don't think they do. Because, like, they're, like, clear, like, these guns kill people real bad. And then they shoot them with those guns. And then everyone's just knocked out. And they don't explain it. I, th- I think in the next episode they say it, it, like, it was set to stun. I hate that so much. <laughs> A, because I missed it. B, because I I hate that. <laughs> set faces the stun bullshit.
1: Yeah. And then the just totally out of context, anything my I have another note that says the war chief and his army of gimps.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, because like all the soldiers are wearing this, like black leather suits and they've got these like black leather masks. It's Like ooh kinky. It's like they have like goggles
1: on and like the only part of their skin that you can see is like their mouth and just like very tight, very tight black leather. And I'm like, the war chief was in a mood
0: when he designed <laughs> those uniforms. <laughs> That's all I got. Yep, me too. All right, episode six. Zoe and the Doctor flee before they can check on Jamie. Some of the officers refer to Time Lords and worry they are interfering with the project. After the Warchief argues with the security officers, Carstars and the Doctor help the prisoners, including Jamie, escape. They hijack a machine to try and go back to 1917, and the Doctor is intent on uniting all the rebel forces to form a much larger resistance group. Von Weiss has made it up to 1917 as well, but he's killed by the resistance. As they try to leave, the prisoners are trapped inside the time machine, and the war chief orders the walls to slowly close in and crush them unless the doctor complies.
1: This is the episode where they give the reason as to why the most technologically advanced war zone is World War One, because they say that anything more technologically advanced than that, the soldiers might be able to have more resistance to their mind wiping and be able to see through their illusion. <sighs> How much more advanced technologically was World War II than World War One? I? I mean, like, really? I mean, I know that like there was definitely some warfare tech uh, advances, but
0: I mean, you have like the uh, you have like the real practical use of like airplanes and tanks, yeah, in World War Two. So like, it, it, it's a pretty significant technological leap. Is it enough to be considered a difference where like the soldiers would be mentally tougher? I don't know. I don't really buy that. That's my point.
1: Yeah. But you do make a good point of the airplanes because I suppose it would be difficult. It'd be a lot more difficult to keep the the war zones contained if they were using more aerial warfare. Yeah. And I was like, how much more advanced was it than, say, World War II or Vietnam? And then I looked it up and Vietnam was going on at the time of filming this. So I was like, eh, maybe not that one. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not that one. (laughs) And then I like that uh, they're like using this machine to analyze the brains of the rebels that they just captured and Jamie's is different it seems to be a, a bit of a callback to the Dominators because in the Dominators uh, they had also noted that because he had traveled through time and he had such rapid learning his brain scans were literally different from, from normal I, I, I'm curious if like that's actually what they were going for if we're, if it was just this
0: guy's never been brainwashed before I don't know. I don't see the writers being smart enough to make callbacks like that. <laughs> That's true. Or just now learning how to foreshadow what happens later in the story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This episode was like really forgettable because like, when I went, went to write the description and I like read the summary on TARDIS Wiki, I thought this episode and the last episode were the same episode.
1: I, I do actually have a couple of notes. I was just reading over it to make sure that I, I could word it correctly. The head scientist, the one that shows the doctor how to undo everything is an interesting character because he seems to he seems to really only care about his experiments and being able to execute in those because he's not nearly as like immoral as the other whatevers as so much as he is like amoral because the the security chief basically straights up straight up tells him do not tell the war chief. That were onto him. Or that I suspect him of something. And then the war chief interrogates the scientist. And the scientist is just like. Yeah I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the truth right now. Because he doesn't really have a. He doesn't really have a reason to lie. Other than the security chief that told him to. It literally makes no difference. This little conflict that's taking place. In their group. He just wants to have fun with the beakers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> As scientists in wartimes do. I guess. And.
1: Then, later, <laughs> I have a note of boom a headshot. Way to go, Lieutenant. Because they are they're holed up, and one of the Gimps turn the corner, and then Lieutenant Carstairs turns the corner, and like it is clearly he has he has his pistol out, he aims at the at the soldier, and the blank fires because it's a prop gun, obviously. But you can see that is a direct
0: headshot. And <laughs> brains should be splattered everywhere right now of course there's some fuck around i
1: appreciate that zoe is being trusted to go on a solo mission because she's sent one of the sid rats to basically organize all of the different resistance armies i do love that like a central plot point of this is violent revolution (laughs) yes always a fan They get a lot of good use out of this one hallway set at the HQ. (laughs) They basically just have them run down the hallway and then set up the camera in a different angle and have them run down the hallway again. (laughs) I do genuinely love that because the Sid Sid Rats are slightly different than TARDIS's um, because they're more on a um, on a projected path rather than they can go anywhere in time and space and um they're also remote controlled rather than being controlled from internally inside the machine i think it's really fucking cool that the war chief is able to change it from being bigger on the inside to being smaller on the inside as a way of forcing them out <laughs> i thought that was really
0: cool <laughs> what if it was smaller on the inside <laughs> yeah i thought that was great i really have nothing else to say about this episode yeah uh, i feel like all the 1917 stuff is like superfluous because it's happening outside of the main characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's really just wrapping up. What happened to the what happened to the bald guy? Uh, so with that, I'm gonna read episode seven. Go for it. This is where things start to get good. The doctor agrees to comply with the war chief. He comes out briefly, but dematerializes when he's given the opportunity to go back into the machine. The war chief orders them followed, and everyone gets nervous when it's announced that the warlord has arrived. The Doctor has also stolen a repurposing machine designed to undo the scientists' mind control mechanisms. The travelers slowly make their way back to the 1917 zone, but we are met by Resistance as General Smith anticipates their arrival. He has the Doctor arrested and ordered to be executed by firing squad, but Carstar stops it just in time and the Resistance attacks. In the chaos, the Doctor and his friends escape with the repurposing machine. An extended action sequence. The Doctor proves his repurposing machine works, but another time machine appears, and soldiers capture the Doctor. To this episode's credit, and also slightly to its detriment, like, the back half of it is just a lot of shooting. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's very very action-heavy.
0: So it's hard to say anything other than, I don't know, there was a bunch of shooting. (laughs) I like that for the past six episodes, or at least most
1: of the six episodes, the Warlord has been built up as this big bad that both the security chief and the war chief are like afraid of the one who's in charge of this whole operation and he arrives he's just like a dude like he's he's just like he's a lot younger than them and he's a lot more unassuming as opposed to all of his all of his subordinates who are like flagrantly evil coded and he's just like a guy and it somehow makes him more intimidating <laughs> like there's there's something below the surface that makes them afraid of him that we're not seeing right away and i i thought that was kind of neat <laughs> there's a lot in this story that i think is kind of neat
0: <laughs> i was intimidated by the black turtleneck steve <laughs> he, jobs looking ass
1: <laughs> He did also have the black turtleneck i say zoe coming with the cavalry hell yeah oh look, they've been captured again, what a nice change of pace. Wow, they're going to be executed by firing squad? No way. Oh my god, that definitely worked pretty well the first time. They turn to the sergeant major and tell tell him that General Smythe is an alien who's controlling your mind. And then the general puts on his glasses and tells sergeant major that that they're crazy and that their claims are completely unfounded. And I'm like, did you need to put on the glasses for that one? <laughs> i <feel> like, <laughs> I feel like the sergeant major could probably come to their, his own conclusion that they're fucking insane.
0: <laughs> yeah, good point. If he's trying to convince him, yeah, the glasses might not have been necessary. But how is he going to get the goofy, big, magnified eye look? The costume designer was adamant that the glasses had to be in.
1: <laughs> And then uh, I think it's the security chief is like panicking and radio's... Uh, Smythe telling him to deactivate the area control and to deactivate the area control and to deactivate the area control and also to deactivate the area control like he just, he just repeats that over and over again i'm like i get it i heard you please please disconnect
0: this i want him to stop talking <laughs> please hang out and then so the doctor escapes like they are uh, after the resistance attacks they escape And he kind of, like, has the proof of concept for the repurposing machine. He's like, see, I can bring everyone's memories back and make them not be brainwashed. And then, boy, howdy, does that become really relevant. Because it doesn't. You're right. He never
1: uses it. (laughs) (laughs) Huh. I just now realized he never uses that.
0: (laughs) You know that thing we've spent two episodes, like, getting and getting away with? Yeah. Forget about it after this episode. (laughs) Yeah, it's not important. Uh, I do
1: like how... um, I don't remember. I don't remember who's talking to who. But it was a conversation between the war chief and the and the security chief. I think the war chief is reassuring security that don't worry, we have them completely surrounded. And then security says they've escaped before. They could do it again. And I was like, judging by how this story has been going so far, yeah, I'm counting
0: on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they will almost definitely escape again. Okay. Okay. So
1: it's the action scene. There was a, there was a moment that I was. Uh, it, it was almost the coolest thing that had happened in Doctor Who that I was about to freak the fuck out about. And then and then they didn't do it because a grenade is thrown into the HQ where they're all holed up. And then Russell, like, charges the enemy line and grabs the guy who threw it. And I thought for a second that Russell was going to, like... And he, like, grabs grabs him and pulls him into the HQ. And I thought for a second, Russell was going to, like, use the enemy's body to, like, cushion the grenade explosion. And that would have been so <laughs> fucking cool. <laughs> uh, but no, he just knocks him out. And then Jamie takes the grenade and throws it back out. I'm like, that. oh, come on. You were this close to being the most badass thing I've ever seen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do it. Do the metal stuff.
1: Uh, But yeah, most of it, most of the ending episode is just action. And when I, when I go see movies, I usually go to the bathroom during the action scenes because I know nothing of significance is going to happen. So I'm done talking about this episode. All right. Episode eight.
0: The warlord greets the doctor as he is returned to them and seizes the repurposing machine. The security chief interrogates the doctor with the truth helmet and tries to get him to admit that the war chief helped him and betrayed them. Zoe uses the console to summon another time machine and the resistance fighters gun down the soldiers that emerge out of it. The Warchief demands alone time with the Doctor and gets it. He reveals that he and the Doctor are of the same race and and of a common mind because they both abandoned them. The Warchief reveals that these strange war exercises are designed to help this alien race conquer the galaxy. But the Warchief plans on usurping them. He asks the Doctor for help and together they could rule the galaxy. The Doctor seems conflicted by all this. The Warlord interrupts and demands compliance from the Doctor, or he will have him and the war chief killed. Also, there's a bunch of fighting in the Mexican-American War and and some other places. The Security Chief plans on dropping a neutron bomb on them, but the Warlord disagrees and decides to use the Doctor. The Doctor contacts Jamie and Zoe and tells them he is sending a time machine. They reluctantly agree to get in with the other Resistance leaders. When they all emerge, the Doctor greets them, but then they are surrounded by guards, and the Doctor orders them not to move. This is the episode where I started enjoying it. Like, really.
1: It's funny you say that because my first note is, as cool as this episode has been, and it has been very good, I think we can all agree 10 episodes is a little bit much because it's at this point I was starting to feel the episode's length.
0: Yeah, I think it's because I, for me, I didn't really enjoy the front half because I feel like it's very circular Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, our same complaints. They get captured, they escape, they get recaptured, and it's just everyone trading places a lot. Mm -hmm. And then finally, finally eight fucking episodes in we get some sort of explanation of what's going on i'm like okay this is what i'm here for yeah and I, I personally really like the mystery of the war Chief and how he recognizes the doctor and like what's going on who are these vague time lords that keep getting referred to mm-hmm. and it's so like i feel like 90 percent of the plot of this story happens in the next three episodes
1: yeah i'd say so that this is definitely where everything starts coming to a head
0: but, yes, I agree. Ten episodes is too long. This should have been, like, a six-parter. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the story does do a very good job of, like you said, building it up. Also, man, this story is just so fucking good to Jamie. Like, when he first joined the crew, he was just, like, a piper in in the Scottish army. And now he's, he's a fucking commander of this entire resistance. And I'm just so proud of him. <laughs> because yeah. he is... I don't even remember what the guy's name is. The guy from the Mexican Civil War. Yeah, that guy. guy. You know, the one in brownface? Yeah, that guy.
0: Yeah, the one in brownface? Yeah. Doing the most racist, stereotypical Mexican impersonation you can imagine. And, like, his, his, his accent was almost, like,
1: Spanish-European rather than being a Mexican one. So, like... I guess it's maybe a good thing that we didn't go like full Cheech and Chong here, but <laughs> Yeah, it, but it oof. was still it,
0: Yeah, it was
1: it was still kinda rough, not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. But but like he refuses to like do the joining up of the resistance thing until he gets a chance to speak at the commander. And then Zoe has the idea of Jamie stepping in as the commander, and he kind of like really comes into the role like he put he puts on like the the bandoliers of grenades and like the fancy uh battle like kilt and he's just like decked out to the nines as just like a highland warrior and he's just like fucking rocks it and then yeah most of the rest of my notes is just like oh no oh no <laughs> oh no the brown face
0: yeah, yeah, it's real cringe. I tried to repress most
1: of it. I do like how the conversation between the Doctor and the war chief is basically
0: just, we're not so different, you and I. <laughs> I do, but I really liked it. I think I liked it as a newcomer to Doctor Who, because I feel like I'm finally starting to get sorta kinda answers. Yeah. To one end, I like the ambiguity. I enjoy it being kind of ambiguous of who the Doctor is. Mm-hmm. But it's also nice to know. So I'm a little, I'm a little torn. I hope the show kind of consists of we get some answers, but like some things are still mysterious.
1: I would say so. I think the show does a really good job of like the universe's lore being pretty well established, but the Doctor is still remaining a bit of an enigma.
0: I, th- I think the show does a good job of that. Okay, good. Because I think that's one of the stronger aspects of it, and like the more appealing part of it to me. Yeah. But yeah, but the Warchief establishes that they come from the same race of people that they may or may not have left for very similar reasons. Uh, and the Warchief wants the Doctor to help him. But that's
1: uh, that's kind of all I have for this
0: episode. Yeah, that's really all I have too. Uh, episode 9. Now This is where it really starts to take off. The leaders are pissed at the Doctor, but Zoe and Jamie stick up for him, thinking he has some greater plan in mind. The Warchief pleads with the Doctor for help again, and it's clear that he needs the Doctor's TARDIS to escape. The Doctor visits the resistance and convinces them he saved them all from annihilation with a neutron bomb. The Doctor pretends to repurpose everyone and wipe their memories. Once everyone gets their weapons back, the Doctor suggests storming the war room. He decides that the only way out of the situation is to contact the Time Lords, and does so through some strange telekinetic message. When the aliens realize this, everything goes nuts. The chief tries to escape, but the Warlord has him killed. The Doctor, the Companions, and Car Stars make it back to 1917, and they rush toward the TARDIS. Carsars fades away, and the travelers begin to slow down as they run toward the TARDIS. The Time Lords have arrived, which is really cool. Yeah, dude. No, the back half of this episode is fucking great. Yeah, it
1: really is. I I genuinely love these last two episodes. They're just they're just wonderful. Again, I would just like to really emphasize just how fucking funny it is every single time the War Chief says the warlord he pronounces it the warlord <laughs> it's like the war period lord period
0: i like all the interactions in this episode i'm glad when it finally kind of gets away from like the resistance people and more just like it's the doctor dealing with the warlord people and the war stuff yeah i'm like okay this is all cool i'm done i'm glad we're done with all the other stuff the thing that i
1: love the most about jamie that's consistently been what i love the most about him is his undying loyalty to the Doctor. Because from all angles, it looks like the Doctor has betrayed them and, like, he's gotten them captured. And um how the Doctor is now siding with the Warlord and all of them, all of them are like, that son of a bitch. He's got us all killed. We're, he's dead the next time I see him. And even Zoe is like, I mean, I don't think he would do that, but... I'm, I'm not so sure. And Jamie is just like, no, fuck you. He's got a reason. The doctor wouldn't do that. He's going to get us out of this. I just really appreciate that about Jamie. <laughs>
0: yeah. Jamie's great.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: I love Jamie. <laughs> this is a Jamie podcast. I'm down with it.
1: Then it's just like good acting because um, up until this moment, the guy playing the war chief has like kept his cool especially around the security chief he has never felt like he's out of control of the situation even when he is out of control of the situation Um, when he's around the warlord he is clearly just biding his time before he can finally overthrow uh, the warlord and take his position he tries to get the doctor to join him and just like is very cold and calculating in everything he does and then the Doctor calls in the Time Lords, and the war Chief freaks the fuck out, and is like, mm-hmm. begging him to not do this. And it, it really does such a good job of hyping up how scary and powerful the Time Lords are when the war Chief is scared of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great stuff. <laughs> it's a whole great moment. Uh, and I love the uh, kind of, like, movie magic, so, like, the Doctor's... Uh, got these like little like squares mm-hmm. uh and he sits down he does this little meditation thing and the squares like kind of come together to form a cube it was a really cool effect for that era i think mm-hmm. it's very it was very stop-motiony mm-hmm. but man it worked i thought it was cool yeah yeah i don't know if we've explained it yet but the the warlords and their kind of plan is they're basically just practicing right now and they're trying to build up a fighting force to dominate the galaxy and for some reason humans are the best because i'm assuming we're dumb and warlike and they're like yeah we'll use the savages from this planet that always kill each other
1: yeah i I think that was their reasoning it's like do you know how many fucking different wars that the human race has had we're we're gonna use them as a blueprint
0: (laughs) yeah and then like and then we're gonna dominate the galaxy and then the warchief's plan is like well once I do that i'll just betray them and take over the galaxy and then the time lords derail because even the warlord like once he realizes that the time lords like coming he even his he's like oh shit yeah
1: (laughs) the warchief gets dragged off screen to be executed i just wondered i wonder if he regenerated after he gets shot
0: (laughs) (laughs) Does that it doesn't work like that
1: hard to say but it would be really funny if like they kill him and then just like throw his body in a pile and then he just like becomes a new person and then just like pink panther sneaks off <laughs> <laughs> there was one part in the action sequence when like the resistance members are fighting off of fighting off the i I've no I have no term to call them other than the gimps because that's what they look like <laughs> and, and Jamie like punches one of the soldiers and he like goes stumbling backwards and then russell punches that that same soldier and he goes stumbling back into jamie who then punches him again (laughs) it's kind of funny (laughs) i feel like the doctor probably should have sent the uh the sos to the time lords after he got to the tardis just throwing that out there (laughs) just throwing it out there maybe you've gotten away but yeah i fucking love the i love the the ending it's a, just such a genuinely Tense scene where it's like Time is basically being torn apart Around them and they're just like in slow Motion running towards the time the, the TARDIS
0: yeah no, it's Great so like Car Stars like gets them back to the 1917 zone and like they're back To the TARDIS and Jamie Looks back and Car Stars is like waving At them and like slowly fading Away and Jamie's like that's weird and the doctor's like We gotta leave now oh, shit. <laughs> And then it's just slow motion running to the TARDIS and it's yeah it's great and like they're
1: they're well aware that it's slow motion like it's not just a cinematic thing happening like time is moving slower because Zoe like asks what's happening and
0: Doctor's just like it's the time lords <laughs> and uh it, it ends on what I think is like a genuinely good cliffhanger mm-hmm. So, like, the doctor slowly ramped and they're like, we gotta get inside. His hand slowly reaches towards, like, the lock on the TARDIS. It slides up and it touches it. And then slides back down. <laughs> and, like, hard cut to the credits. I'm like, that was incredible. Yeah, no kidding. And then we get to the last episode. <laughs> to the last episode. Which is the best episode, I think. I would agree. Even though it's all basically just wrapping up the plot. (laughs) It's basically just people standing around and talking, but like in the best way. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. All right, episode 10. Oh, my notes start with, this is the best episode. (laughs) The companions manage to force their way through the Time Lord's force field and enter the TARDIS. However, the slowing effects are still in place, albeit weaker. The Doctor explains Time Lords can live forever and use their power to gather knowledge and observe time, but never change it or interfere. The Time Lords hijack the TARDIS remotely, and they are brought to the Doctor's homeworld. The Time Lords hold a trial for the Warlord and his minions, and order everyone to be dematerialized out of existence. The Doctor must face a similar trial, where he is reprimanded for breaking their sacred rule of non-interference. Before the Doctor is punished, his companions must be sent back to their own times. He gives them a sad goodbye, and Jamie and Zoe enter a time machine. The Doctor watches them reappear in their own time period, most of their memories of their adventures gone. They only remember everything about the Doctor leading up to them joining the TARDIS. The sentence for the Doctor's crimes is permanent exile of one century on Earth. The Doctor is indignant at this and doesn't like the new identities the Time Lords have chosen for him. The Time Lords decide to pick a new look for him and the episode ends with the Doctor slowly transforming, his face unseen. This is a really good episode. Um... Yeah, it's a really great episode.
1: (laughs) I love that we finally get a glimpse of the Doctor's backstory and why he left his home planet. And it's because he was fucking bored. (laughs) (laughs) He left because the Time Lords are just so rigid. And the Doctor saw all of time and space in front of him. He's just like, that's way more interesting.
0: (laughs) The Time Lords are just a
1: bunch of nerds. I couldn't take it anymore. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) I've only got so many lockers here on this planet, so... They get to the TARDIS, and he's, like, trying to escape from the Time Lord's influence. And he just, like, keeps dematerializing and rematerializing and then dematerializing again. And <laughs> they just use footage from Fury from the Deep and the Web of Fear to, like, show the TARDIS appearing.
0: They just use footage they've already used <laughs> from previous episodes. Yeah, because it's the part where it's, like, sinking down and, like, they're landing, like, a big pool of water. I was like, that seems familiar. yeah. And then it cuts to another place where they materialize and he's just like in the middle of space and
1: then all of a sudden this mysterious web just starts appearing around the TARDIS, but they try to cut <laughs> before you can really notice. <laughs> <laughs> I think this, this this triumvirate of Time Lords, these judges, are so good at being so fucking terrifying because they're just so blank and unfeeling and so cold and judgmental and they're they're holding the the warlord on trial and the warlord's just not giving him anything like they're they're interrogating him and he's just not giving any sort of answers whatsoever and then one of them just kind of like widens their eyes a little bit and the warlord
0: fucking just kneels down in pain <laughs> yeah and i was just like ah because like they're almost benign and you know, like they're emotionless and all that but like yeah like one of them like wiggles their eyebrows a little bit and the warlord doubles over yeah it's real intense <laughs> it's i love it i love it time lord execution
1: is they're unaliving him they're making mm-hmm. it so that he and his men never existed <laughs> so, again so
0: fucking cool yeah they're like well you're annoying you don't exist anymore which grand would that would that count as interfering though
1: I guess this falls into the jurisdiction of time is being fucked with. They're allowed to step in.
0: Yeah, I guess the warlord was fucking with time.
1: I genuinely love the scene of the doctor's trial. I think it's really cool of just like him, him like putting forth his entire philosophy of life and his travels and showing a montage of all the enemies. Not all of the enemies, but a lot of the enemies that uh, he's fought over the years and said that people would have died if he hadn't done anything. And they're just standing there just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a very, very cool scene.
0: Yeah, good stuff. It's like They're like, we think you broke our rules. And he's like, well, of course I broke my, your rules. Here's all the examples of me doing it. <laughs> And here's
1: all the reasons why I broke your rules. And they're, and they're good reasons. And they're like, yeah, but you still broke our rules. So, <laughs> so like. <laughs> and then Jamie and Zoe are kind of, like, being kept in, basically, this little playpen, unable to visit the doctor. And I love how, like, Jamie's dumb, but he's not stupid, if that makes any sense. Like, he knows that they're in hot water right now and the time lords are basically gods <laughs> that are that are holding them captive and that doesn't stop him from just like getting in the time lords fucking face and like pointing a finger at them demanding to be able to see the doctor and i
0: fucking love that <laughs> <laughs> jimmy gives no fucks <laughs> takes no prisoners
1: the doctor's kind of resigned to his fate but then um uh, when Jamie and Zoe finally meet up with him again, he's, he, they're given permission to, to meet up with him. They're like, come on, Doctor. We've gotten out of tighter spots than this. We can we can get out of here. And he's like, we really haven't. And we really can't. And <laughs> they're just like, come on. We've, we've escaped from being captured like half a... Like two dozen times over the course of this story alone. Come on, we can do this. And he's like, okay. And so they try to escape... and my note is in order to escape you must first pass through the foggy platform candy cane curtains room as all courthouses have (laughs) i think they just in order to design the set of this time lord courthouse i guess that's what i'm gonna call it um they just took whatever pieces of set they had left over that they haven't had a chance to use yet because it really is just a room that has a whole lot of like platforms around and in between the platforms there's a whole bunch of fog and then it's just like hanging curtains throughout the room that's just like striped like candy canes but they're also kind of see-through i'm like what is this room what are we walking through right now
0: (laughs) and then their attempt to escape fails yeah it's time to say goodbye yeah i was genuinely tearing up of jamie leaving yeah jamie Jamie was a good boy. <laughs>
1: he was a good boy, and he is... He will be the longest-running companion for a while. And I i don't want to go into too much detail because we still got Goodbye, My Dear. You can feel the genuine sadness of these two, not only just characters, but also actors having to part from one another because Patrick Troughton and Fraser Hines were best friends. So it was a genuinely moving scene of, like, Jamie being like... Doctor, we can still we can we can I don't know, we can get into the TARDIS somehow and he's just like, "No. No, we can't. I'm
0: sorry. Goodbye, Jamie."
1: And then Zoe leaves too.
0: Yep, and then Zoe leaves. <laughs> and then almost more tragically, uh for one, like it's really interesting because I feel like this is like the real first moment where we've seen the doctor just kind of be resigned, mm-hmm. just be like there is no escaping this. There is no changing it. Yeah. Uh which of is wow. Very cool. Yeah. And then you see them go back to their time periods and the Time Lords are like, they aren't going to forget everything, but they'll only remember everything up to the time they joined you on the TARDIS. Yeah.
1: So Jamie's only going to remember the Highlanders and Zoe's only going to remember Wheel in Space.
0: And what a cruel twist of fate that is. (laughs) I know. I know. I cared less about Zoe. When I showed Zoe and she's like, oh, well, I guess I'll just get back to work. I was like, yeah, okay. Bye, Zoe. You were fine, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but that shows Jamie. And when you realize Jamie doesn't uh, <laughs> uh, remember everything, it was just a little bit of a...
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, like, he gets fired at by a red coat. And the red coat misses. And he's like, oh, no, you fucking don't. And he takes out a knife and just charges <laughs> at him. Oh, Jamie. Literally goes out <laughs> in
0: the most Jamie way possible. It was amazing. I think the only thing that would have made that better is... <laughs> If the, the red coat that shot at him, if that was the red coat from the second episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would have been great. That would have been a nice little bookend for me. So sad to see Jamie go, but he went out in a good way. And he, he's still Jamie. And yeah. he's still out there. Jamie in his way through things.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then we get back to the doctor's trial. And the, the triumvirate, the judges, they have considered the doctor's testimony and they're like okay yeah you're clearly a a source of of good and that some things need to be fought and you might still have a part to play in it but also you're not getting off scot-free and i like that their sentence for him is basically the exact same thing that he does to the monk in the time meddler Mm mm-hmm you will not be able to access your TARDIS and you will be stuck in one
0: specific time. Also, we're going to execute you real quick. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to get a new mug and also you're going to be in the 20th century England forever. And he's so indignant. He's like, in one time period. <laughs> it's like, doctor, like,
1: a solid two-thirds of your adventures have been in modern-day London anyway. I'm not sure this is going to be a big of
0: an adjustment for you. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but I I did like how the doctor is just so angry and indignant that he'd have to stay in the same place for more than like 10 minutes. (laughs) And then they uh, show him. It's like, all right, and you have to have a new face. Uh, Would you pick one off the wall? And he's like, no, I hate that one. No, I hate that one. (laughs) No, I hate that one.
1: And they're like, all right, fine. Then it'll be randomized. He's like, I I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that.
0: (laughs) Just just show me some more. (laughs) And they're like, "Mm, no, delete. And then it's a very cool sequence of him like falling through darkness and like there's all these like 60s like spiraling kaleidoscope effects. And at one point it kind of shows him like his face is gone and he spirals down a dark hole. I'm like, ooh, I liked all that. Yeah, I think that this episode
1: was not only a very good end to this story, but like a really
0: good ending to just this era Mm-hmm. This era of the show. Mhm. 100% agree. It's definitely a big uptake from like the last like six or
1: seven episodes we've had. Yeah, we've had some rough ones, but I I this one I think was uh, was a really good one. Should I go into trivia?
0: Yeah, lay lay the trivia on me.
1: Oh, Caleb. Oh, Caleb, you're going to be so excited for this piece of trivia. This is the last black and white episode of Doctor Who.
0: Oh god. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Give me that Coleco vision. <laughs> uh,
1: the German soldiers in 1971 uh, were all wearing spiked helmets, despite the fact that those helmets were actually no longer in use after 1916. Fun fact. Aha. Uh-huh. The producer, Derek Sherwin's wife, played uh, Lady Jennifer. In episode one, when the doctor says goodbye, my dear, to Zoe, he kisses her on the forehead platonically. And this is the first time it's shown on screen of the doctor kissing one of his companions. Won't be the last <laughs> okay that's more of a new who thing but uh, yeah anyway um the crotons were going to be used in the doctor's montage of enemies but neither of the Croton costumes were in working order so they decided not to bother <laughs> uh, this is the longest regeneration story in the entire series thank God yeah uh, the World War one set was filled with rats and it upset Patrick Trouton to such a great deal that he threatened to quit on the spot if he saw another one. It was later revealed that the reason he got so upset was because he was having uh war flashbacks to when he was given rat shooting duties. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the actor who played the warlord was the same guy who played uh Elik in The Crotons. He was the asshole who like re- led the rebellion. And offered to give up the oh, doctor yeah. to Zoe to the Crotons. Yeah. I think he did a much better job in this story than he did in, in Crotons.
0: Yeah. Uh, he wasn't all that memorable in the Crotons. So I'd agree. Yeah. And now it's back
1: to our one and only segment. Goodbye, my dear. Let's start with Zoe. I agree. I think I liked her the most in this story than I did in any other story. So it's kind of a shame that I started liking her right as she was going out the door because she was kind of a know-it-all who got her nose in a lot of other people's business. And I didn't really care for it. One thing I did like about her was that like her intellect kind of put her on the same level as, as the doctor. So they bounced a whole lot of ideas back off of each other. And she did have a good rapport with Jamie of just kind of more of a, whereas Jamie and Victoria were kind of like a loving sibling relationship (laughs) jamie and zoe were kind of like a doctor she's touching me i'm not touching you she's touching me (laughs) kind of (laughs) sibling relationship yeah i think my favorite moment was probably her solving the missile trajectory in 30 seconds in the invasion runner-up is amassing the resistance army in war games
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i think i liked zoe for a little longer than you did I like the contrast because we went through like a long period where like the companions were like significantly less intelligent than the doctor. It was nice to have a companion who was like on par with him intellectually. Mm -hmm. I just feel like the story so rarely took advantage of that. And Zoe ended up just being a little girl who got captured a lot. So I feel like she had some wasted potential. And then I, I agree. My favorite's moment for her was in the invasion when she's kind of like mapping out the missile trajectories because i feel like that's the only moment that really showcased what made her unique yeah and i don't have a runner up because i don't think there's any other moment that actually does that that is like that is her that is what she does yeah and then we get to goodbye my
1: dear for james robert mccrimmon (laughs) the best boy like goddamn what can we say about jamie he was a perfect
0: himbo and i loved him dearly <laughs> yeah no i agree jamie was dumb in all the best ways <laughs> and without a doubt the best and most consistent characterization of any character in the show mm-hmm. today yes i would agree
1: i love how he was always ready to ready and eager to throw down in a scrap Especially if it meant helping out and protecting his friends. Mm-hmm. God, picking a favorite moment was so hard. Why don't you go first? Because I'm, I'm also struggling. I'm like, wow, there's just so many good moments. Yeah, because literally next to favorite moment I have, I have to pick just one. <laughs> I I have like three. <laughs> but the one that's first on my list is um, him calling the doctor out on his shit in Evil of the Daleks. Yes. That was a really good moment. His smooth stealing of sam's ticket while he's kissing her so he could get on the plane and the faceless ones Mm -hmm. him sabotaging the wheels weaponry instead of explaining the situation in the wheeled space (laughs) yeah those are my top three but like god you could you could point out so many other (laughs) other moments for jamie
0: yeah, I, I I'm in a similar vein of like, wow, there's just so many good moments. But I think the moment to me that I'm like, that is the most Jamie thing ever, and I love it, is in the Crotons when they first get down to like their like little underground base, and the guard stops them, and they're like, and the, he asks Jamie like, what are you gonna do, fight me about it? And Jamie's like, yeah, actually, I am gonna fight you. About it. Incredible. And then he's offered a knife. He says, Nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> incredible
1: yeah that's a good one uh man i will miss you most of all scarecrow oh boy
0: but that is a, in the context of again there's probably a best jamie moment in like every episode yeah i would say probably my runner-up it's not really a moment but more of, like a vibe is um oh god what's the episode we just watched kind of recently uh no it, oh, it's still in the crotons when jamie and Z- erwin so and the doctor are trying to figure stuff out and jamie is like wow well, this is all science and stuff but i'm still part of the plot oh yeah I'm gonna, like <laughs> wedge myself into it yeah uh so
1: going on to to final thoughts my my <laughs> first bullet point is takes a drag of cigarette was it good for you <laughs> <laughs> this was such an intense story There was tragic ends for main and bit characters alike. Strong, strong fucking introduction of the Time Lords. And the only thing that really keeps it from being higher on my list than it is, is the the repetition of the kidnapping and escaping, and also the length of the episode. Like, if this had been condensed down to being a six-parter, I think it would be damn near perfect and probably my favorite episode.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think for me... It's fine, because, like, you kind of message me, and you're like, oh, wow, this episode starts off, like, really good. And I didn't really feel that way. Uh, I was actually, like, surprisingly neutral on it until we got to, like, those last three or four episodes. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, this episode's the shit. Yeah. So, I, I agree. I think if it was shorter, and there was, like, a little bit better world-building, particularly for, like, the Warlord characters, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. I think it will be kind of, If it's not in my top five, it'll be close. But it's definitely... Enemy of the World is still my favorite episode, hands down. Yeah. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is uh, listen to it and give it five stars and tell your friends about it. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. You can also follow me on Twitter at CelebrityWriter. You can check out Mac's YouTube channel called MacTheMeth. Where he does insightful videos about video games.
1: And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we take a look back on Patrick Troughton as the second doctor in The Doctor Is Out.
0: Yay. <laughs>